Thank you for tuning in to the Crossover Podcast. We hope this message inspires you and grows your faith. To learn more about Crossover, visit our website at crossovernorman.com or find us on Facebook and Instagram at Crossover Norman. Enjoy the message. Hello, hello. If you love Jesus, say I do. Hey, let's pray. That's a good way to quiet a crowd, isn't it? Father, you're already here, and we just ask you just to continue to be here. We ask you to continue to pour over this room, and Lord, let your word just be heard. Let us just be able to void out all distractions. Let us be able to just only tune in to what you want us to hear. Lord, let your word just speak through me, and Lord, let's just have a great night just learning more about you. For it's your name, amen. Do we have any excuse kings or queens out there? Come on now. Come on, anybody really good at excuses? Don't lie to me. All right, everybody's like bumping their friend, right? Like, do you have that one friend that's just like really good at getting out of anything, right? Like, well, see, my hair was still wet. I showered this morning, but like six o'clock at night, like it was just still wet and like I just couldn't go hang out, right? See, what happened was like my back hurt and like my Advil and my sleeping pills are like right next to each other. And like I went and I thought I took an Advil, but I ended up taking a sleeping pill. And like I just couldn't, you know, like I fell asleep and you're like, well, you posted about honey butter chicken biscuits at 11 o'clock. Like, well, see what happened was, see, I took the sleeping pills and then my roommate woke up and like I felt so refreshed by, thank you, Jesus, right? There's, there's pouring into it, right? And then like I just really had a craving for honey butter chicken biscuits and like I was gonna invite you, but like I just like, I didn't wanna crash like what you were going on. Like it's just like, like excuse after excuse, just building up on excuses and what about, what about um, homework? Come on now. Come on now. What about homework? Am I right? It's like, it's like, well, listen, I know I got this paper due in a couple days, and like, I'm just really tired right now, okay? You know where I'm going with this. And like, if I started the paper now, like, I just wouldn't give it my best effort. So like I need to sleep now so I can do it better in the morning, right? And I'm gonna put a full day tomorrow. And it's like, all right, I'm gonna get some sleep now. You put your head on your pillow and it's like Netflix for the next six hours, amen? Uh, anybody out there, all right? Anybody a procrastinator, all right? It's, you need to feel the pressure, right? Is that what it is? Well, if we Bible it up a bit, what are some of our best excuses for not obeying God? You see, I'm, a, I'm an audible learner, right? I'm an audible learner. So like when I read the Bible, like I just don't learn anything. So, you know, like I just go to church on Sundays and like I, I take what they say and then like I, I try to like meditate on that during the week, right? Because I'm, I'm an audible learner, right? Or, man, I'm just... Let's just, let's just be honest here. What if, uh, I mean, some of us are just like, man, I'm just too busy, right? I got too much homework. Like, I, there's just, I don't have time in the day. I'm just too tired. I'm just too busy. Like, I just don't have time in order to, you know, really just be like exactly who I need to be. You know, school, 
school right now, you know, this is, this is my priority is school is like, that's what I'm supposed to be doing. So like, you know, I don't know if I can really just really dive into the, to the word right now. You know, in studying this sermon, I actually, uh, I found a, a, a couple great uh, articles about kind of this various thing, a couple sources. One of them pointed out to what Ben Franklin said. He said, he that is good for making excuses is seldom good at anything else. Gabriel Murray said it this way, he who excuses himself accuses himself. So tonight, what we are going to look at tonight is we're going to look at God calling Jeremiah to this great task and this great call in his life. And what you're going to notice about the call from God to Jeremiah is that he is actually going to call him about this great call. And we're going to see Jeremiah throw some very big excuses at him. And I think what we're going to notice is that some of those very excuses that Jeremiah throws towards God are actually some of the very excuses that I think are similar to some of the situations that we are in. And this is what I'm excited about this text. Is that what we're looking at tonight is that we're going to look through Jeremiah's excuses, but then we're going to see how God leads through his promises. And so I want us to look at the excuses, and then I want us to look at the promises. It's in Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 4 is where we are going to start. And it says this, Now the word of the Lord came to me, saying, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I, con I consecrated you and appointed you a prophet to the nations. Then I said, ah, Lord, God, behold, I do not know how to speak, for I'm only a youth. But the Lord said to me, do not say I'm only a youth, for, all, for to all to whom I send you, you shall go. And where, whatever I command you, you shall speak. Do not be afraid of them, for I am with you to deliver you, declares the Lord. Then the Lord put out his hand and touched my mouth. And the Lord said to me, Behold, I have put my words in your mouth. See, I have set you this day over the nations and over the kingdoms to pluck up and to break down, to destroy and to overthrow, to build and to plant. And the word came to me saying, Jeremiah, what do you see? And I said, I see an almond branch. And the Lord said to me, you have seen well, for I'm watching this, uh, I'm watching over my word to perform it. Then the word of the Lord came to me a second time saying, what do you see? And I see a boiling pot facing away from the north. Then the Lord said to me, out of the north, disaster shall be let loose upon all the inhabitants of the land. And if we will skip down to verse 17, it says, but you dress yourself for work, arise and say to them everything that I command you. Do not be in this be dismayed by them, lest I dismay you before them. And I, behold, I make you this day a fortified city, an iron pillar, a bronze wall against the whole land, against the kings of Judah, its officials, its priests, and the people of the land. They will fight against you, but they shall not prevail against you, for I am with you, declares the Lord, to deliver you. Man, that's a lot of time. That might be the most I've ever read at Crossover. Come on now. Holy world. Let's just read the Bible for, for a sermon, right? Some of you are like, I wish, right? Just kidding. So let's go. Let's preach, all right? Man, if, I, if we were to take a look at this text and we were to break it down section by section, I think the first thing that we would really have to really look at is just the call itself. 
If we could just look at the call itself, before Jeremiah ever took a step towards his call, I think we would have to look at what the big call was, because I think if we saw how big the call was, I think we could see what his excuse could be. I think the excuse that we could look at at the very beginning is this, is that the call is just too big. The call that Jeremiah was was called towards is in chapter one, verse five, I appoint you to be a prophet to the nations. I don't want you just to be a prophet to your mama. I don't want you just to be a prophet to your neighborhood, to your boys, to your girls, to your Instagram followers. Some of us are good prophets at that, right? But I'm calling you, Jeremiah, to be a prophet to all the nations. See, he wasn't called to be a priest like his daddy and his granddaddy. He was called to be a prophet, a chosen person that was authorized by God to be a spokesman for God to deliver his word to his people. See, the misconception many times about prophets is this, is that they are just people that tell the future. But see, a prophet's main call was to speak God's word to the present people that had future ramifications. A pastor said it great when he said they weren't foretellers. They were foretellers more than they were foretellers. They would expose people's sin and they would call them back into their covenant relationship with God. See, being a prophet was more demanding than being a priest. It was more demanding than what his dad and his grandpa did because their duties were predictable. Everything that, was, that they had to do was written all out for them in the law. See, the prophet would live each day, each moment, not knowing what was gonna happen, not knowing what their next step was, not knowing where they were gonna go tomorrow, but they were gonna have to live by faith on God just to, uh, for them to live and for them to be able to, to survive. See, the, wor- the priest primarily worked to preserve the past, where the prophet would labor to change the present so the nation would have a future. See, priests belonged to a special tribe, and therefore they already had authority over everybody. They already had a special place in people's eyes. They already had something to bring to the table, whereas a prophet, they would have to prove their divine call to the people. And lastly, if you just think about money, priests were supported by sacrifices and offerings from other people, whereas prophets had no guarantee of income. Now I say that, I give you a little history lesson because of this. The calling to be a prophet was a big call for Jeremiah and he knew it. He knew that there was going to be sacrifices, that there was going to be comforts that he would have to leave behind in order to be a prophet of Jesus Christ. But does it sound a little familiar? Jesus too was called to be a prophet. He traveled place to place, challenging people to change their future so they could have an eternity with heaven with him. Jesus spoke to the hearts of people, and most, and I want you to remember this, most people did not accept his call to repentance because they did not want to change. So before Jeremiah even took his first step, the enormity of his call to be a prophet, I think, would be enough an excuse to not do it. It's just too big. 
It's just too big for me to accept that call. I just, there's no way I could do it. But here's the promise. And I want to say this to you students. There's going to come a time in your life where God is going to call you to do something that you might see to be too big for you to be able to handle. And the promise that God gives Jeremiah here is the same promise that I believe that he gives to you and I. And this promise is that all that is something that all of us need to realize and hold on to because there is going to come a time where you are going to not want to do the call because it seems way too big. There's no way that you could do it. There's no way that your life could look that way. And maybe, just maybe, I think some of us in here, we already know it. I think some of us in here, we already have a call in our life, and we think that we're too small for such a big call in our life. Maybe for some of y'all, you're called into full-time ministry, and it freaks you out, amen? All right, I've been there, all right? You want me to be a preacher? What? Like, I was like... Man, I, I hooked on phonics didn't work for me. Like, are you, and you want me to lead people? And it can freak you out. I think some of us in here, we know that we're called to future missions. I think we're called to be missionaries. And you know it. Even right now, God's tugging on your heart because it's speaking to you right now. And, it's, and you know that God is calling you to be a missionary, to go on the mission field. It could cost anything and everything in your life. It could even cost you Wi-Fi. And I know that's a big deal, right? You might not get Wi-Fi over there. I don't know what he's called you to do. I don't know what the call is on your life. But I do know this, and I can promise you this, students. It will always be outside your comfort zone, and it will always be too big for you to imagine that you're capable of doing it. But if you tear it down, verse 5, you will see his promise And if I could just kind of bring it all together in three different ways, essentially what Jesus is saying in verse five is, I knew you, or I know you, I chose you, and I set you apart. The verb to know here is something that I think a lot of us can just kind of look past, but if you look at the Hebrew context here, it's more than just being aware of someone it carries the idea that of, of recognition that it's, it's not only important to be known, but it also holds even more power by who is knowing you. So just imagine this. This is the best illustration that I could come up with, so please have grace and peace with this. Come on now, Jesus, be with this. If you wanted to stand on the sidelines of the, of the OU game, all right, You probably couldn't do that just by your own power, amen? So you're sitting there at the security gate, and you're like, let me in, bro, I pay tuition here. And they're like, no, you're just just a punk kid, right? And you're just like, I really want to stand on the sidelines of the game. And they're like, no, you can't go. But Coach Lincoln comes up. Hey, I know him, or I know her. Come on over. Come on over, let me take you to the sidelines. Let me be able to show you what the sidelines look like beating Texas. Come on now, hey, come on baby, right? It opens up a whole other world for you. 
Students, can I be honest with you? Every call that I've ever had in my life was too big for me because it was too big for me ever to be comfortable with. Because my call didn't come from a small God, but it came from a great and mighty God. I always wanted a call in my life to be easy, but it seems like I never got an easy call. You want to know if your call is from God or if your call is from your own subconscious? I want you to be able to test it with something. If only by God knowing you, choosing you, and supplying what you need is the only way for you to fill that call in your life. Because this life isn't meant to make you greater for him. This life is meant to make him greater in you. You're calling calls on the name of the Lord for strength. I know you. I chose you. And I supply you. That's his promise. It takes the focus off of the one being appointed and it puts it on the one God who is appointing you. What's his excuse to in verse, chapter 1, verse 6? And he says, Lord, behold... I don't know how to speak, for I am only a youth. Homeboy was scared of public speaking. Anybody a little afraid of public speaking? All right. Hey, did Nash do a good job up here? Come on now, get up for Nash, all right? <laughs> Essentially, what he was saying is that he wasn't qualified enough, or his talents couldn't fulfill his calling. I can't speak, Lord, I'm too shy, I'm too quiet, I'm not smart enough, I, I will be laughed off the stage. And Jeremiah is just saying this excuse and saying, man, I'm just, I just, I'm not good enough. One of my favorite movies growing up was um, The Rookie of the Year. Anybody remember that, right? It's probably before you're born, all right? But Henry Rowan Gardner was playing baseball with some of his friends and someone hits a pop fly and he's running out and he actually slips over a ball that was on the ground and he breaks his arm. And in this movie, they, they put him in this like ridiculous cast and it's like got the bar hanging on. It's like holding up like this and like he's got to walk around school like looking fly. But they fast forward a couple months and he's getting his cast taken off and his mom is having a celebration and he's going to take him to the professional game with him and a couple of his friends. And the opposing team actually hits a foul ball to one of his friends and everybody's like, throw it back, throw it back. And like his friends are like, I can't throw it. We're in outfield. Like I, I'm going to look like I was about to dog girls right there. Can you believe it? I'm going to throw like a girl. That's just not fair, is it, guys? Girls. And so... They're like, they're like, Henry, you throw it. So Henry grabs the ball and he rears back and his shoulder makes this weird like mechanical sound. And then he throws this like beam of a, of a toss all the way across like outfield, all across everybody right into the pitcher's glove. And everybody's just like astounded. Like this kid just threw a line drive that was unimaginable. Somehow during his his accident, his shoulder somehow got like energy power and stretched some ligaments where this kid could throw like 100 miles an hour and the whole, the whole movie was built upon this. But John Candy was actually an announcer in this movie, God Rest His Soul, and he actually says this line that actually caught my attention a couple years ago when I was watching this. 
He said this, he says, what is sad is that there is more talent in the stands than there is on the field. And I was, you know, I'm a preacher, so I I pay attention to lines like that, and I was like, man, how much does that speak to church? Because how true is it in today's world that there is more talent in the audience than there is on the stage? If I can be humbly honest with you, I have no doubt in my mind that there are some of you that could slay preaching like I could never even dream about doing. I have no doubt in my mind that there are some of you in here who could grow a church and grow a ministry like you could never imagine that would help impact nations if you just did this one thing, if you trusted your call. I know some of you are called to do something on this school right now, and I don't know what it is, but I know God's calling you to do it. And if you would just trust your call, you couldn't even imagine what God could give you right now. I know some of y'all, maybe, just maybe, all right, don't run to your parents and, show, and, and tell them this podcast, all right? Maybe, just maybe, some of y'all are called to do something other than school right now, but you're too scared to do it. The reason for many of us not to do this is because we're letting fear bypass our faith and our call. And you would rather do the motions of this world and fit in with everybody else in this world and feel comfortable and make sure that you're doing what you think is the right thing rather than trust your call. Students, listen, I have no idea what calling God has on your life. I don't know if it is to start a Bible study. I don't know if it is to talk to your group of friends about Jesus. I don't know if it is about volunteering in in a church or in a ministry. I, I don't know if it's stepping up in some area of your life where you're doing the bare minimum and Jesus is asking you to go all in, dive all in. Maybe, just maybe, he's saying quit thinking like a priest and start living like a prophet. Day in, day out, not knowing what's next. Why do we always have to have everything so planned out? Why do we have to have everything so scheduled? Maybe, just maybe God is saying, why don't we start living like a prophet? Why don't we start living day in, day out, just reading God's word, meditating on God's word, looking for people who need Jesus and start sharing the love of Jesus to people who are going in the darkness and they need the light. Why don't we start living each and every day like a prophet, not knowing? Knowing what the next day brings to us. So many of us, we just feel like we're unqualified. But God's got a promise. He's got a promise in verse 9. He says, he's speaking to Jeremiah about not being qualified and not being able to speak. He says, then the Lord put out his hand and he touched his mouth and he said to behold I've put my words in your mouth see today that I have set you over kingdoms and I've set you over nations when you know your call and you let your faith overcome your fear Jesus will supply you with whatever you need to fulfill your calling do you trust the promise of God He might not call the qualified, as you've heard, but he always qualifies the called. 
If you know that he can save you from an eternity of damnation, if you know that he can save you and walk with you and protect you and love you and encourage you for all of eternity, don't you think he can supply you with the very things that you need in order to fulfill his call? Amen? <laughs> you, like, you like that? You will never be able to do your calling until you take that first step of faith. Jesus will always give you what you need for your calling. See, a lot of us have talents and gifts that God wants to give us and supply us with, and we would rather be spectators in the stands never to get out on the field and play. And let me tell you something, students, if I can just motivate you, if I can just encourage you, let me tell you something about if you ever do take that, that, that step of faith, if you do trust the calling that God has brought onto your life, let me tell you what's gonna happen if you start walking in your calling. You will never be able to go back to normalcy. You won't ever be able to live a life that is written day in and day out because once you have tasted a life that totally depends on Jesus and the power of Jesus, you're gonna start walking with him and talking with him. You start just being filled by Jesus in such a great and mighty way. You're gonna thirst and hunger to live by the Spirit more than you could ever want to live by the flesh. Are you willing to step out of the stands? You willing to trust God's promises over your inadequacies? Because he's got other promises. Because he says, in your weakness is where you'll find my strength. In your shortcomings is where you'll find my fulfillments. Students, I promise you, we don't need any more fans. We need more followers, and it's time for us to rise up. It's time for us to start trusting God beyond saving your soul. It's time for us to start trusting him to know you, to call you, and to supply you in everything that you need. But we're not done yet. There's a couple there's a couple more excuses, but I only have time for one more. I wish I, I could break down all of them, but at the end of verse five, he says, not only can I not speak, but I'm also a youth. Oh, this is an excuse that so many of us use. The time is not right. The time is not right. Jesus, or Jeremiah, I want you to be a prophet of all nations, Lord. I can't because it's just too big. Well, Jeremiah, I want you to be a Lord of all nations. Lord, I can't speak well, right? I can't do it. I'm not, I'm not qualified to do that. Jeremiah, I want you to be a prophet to all nations. Lord, I'm just too young, right? Now tell me how many of us have gone through those three excuses before. can't tell you how many people I've talked to day in and day out just do not feel like it's the right time. How many of us still feel like we're just too young to do the calling or we're too young to really start walking like Jesus wants you to walk? My question is, how young is too young? 
How young is too young to, to get a call of God and to walk in a call of God? How young is too, too young? Because if we look at Jesus, what does Jesus himself say? That we are supposed to have faith like a child. You, you are supposed to have faith like a child, and what does a faith like a child know? They know the simplistic things of faith. They know that they are all sinners. They know that they need Jesus and he came and died for him, for them. They know that walking with Jesus and loving Jesus is the way that we're supposed to live this life. And they know at the end of their life, they're going to walk in heaven and they're going to see Jesus face to face and all is going to be butterflies and rainbows, right? That's what the faith of children know. Students, we all want to be a little older. We all want to be a little wiser. We all want to be a little holier. We all want things to be perfectly in place in order for us to be able to, to trust and walk in this call that God has laid us with. But let me tell you something. If you're waiting for everything to be in order, you'll always be waiting. Because Jesus doesn't call us at our best. He calls us to our best. Every call takes you from where you are spiritually and it grows you to where God wants you to be. See, here's God's promise in verse six. He says, don't say that I am only youth for to all whom I send you shall go and wherever I command you, you shall speak. Do not be afraid of them because I will deliver you, declares the Lord. I want us to look at his promise in two ways. First and foremost, I want you to look at it this way, is that you are never alone in your calling. He doesn't, he doesn't call and let you go figure things out. He calls and he is right there by your side. He shows you where to go. He tells you the things to say. He tells you where, where to move to. He tells you how to get there. He tells you what to do in every bit and facet of your calling. It's a promise. You step up to your call, you are not alone. You will have Jesus day in, day out, being there by your side, giving you everything that you need. And Jesus is pretty much giving Jeremiah no excuse to be able to step away from his call. But let me express to you what I think is the biggest excuse at our age. I think this is our, our, our biggest excuse because I think what happens is that we exchange something in, in the way that Jesus says this. Instead of us having a faith like a child, I think we take away faith and I think we implement fear. I think we, we, we have fear like a child. How do, how do children fear? The children fear is, is, is kind of dumb, right? There's no, there's no simple way to put it. They're, they're scared of monsters in the closet, right? They're scared of monsters in the bed. My, both of my kids are scared of the vacuum cleaner, right? It's like the monster is trying to eat them, okay? But the way that they fear is a little, it's just childlike. It's just, it's just kind of dumb. This past weekend, we went to the, the Texas fair with my boys, and we watched them Sooners just whip up on them Texas Longhorns. Praise Jesus. I'm going to say it again. Who cares, all right? 
But uh, Revan, our two-year-old, we were letting him kind of explore things, got some corn dogs, you know, got the faith life, or the fair life and the faith life, come on now. And so we're like walking, you gotta have a little faith to walk in the fair, all right, amen? Especially at Texas, all right? And then half of y'all are like, oh, I hate you. Just kidding. But um, we're letting uh, Revan ride some rides, and I remember one particular what. One particular ride, we let him get on this, uh, this I guess, contraption that has airplanes, and it, it goes faster and faster, and it actually starts flying in the air is what it looks like, and he's flying around in this little, little bitty airplane, and no lie, no lie, within like eight seconds, he's got like the, like the scared look, like, like, I'm like, he's either going to throw up or he's going to start crying, right? And he's got the big eyes and like Caroline's like, he's about to cry. He's about to cry. And like, I see the quiver lip, right? He's like, he's like really, I mean, it's a two-year-old. This thing's going like a hundred miles an hour, right? He didn't even meet the height requirement. They didn't even check it. All right. And he's up there and he's like scared out of his mind. And he's literally just about to start bawling. But you know what happens? is that his grandpa is actually sitting next to him. And then he looks over at his grandpa, and his grandpa's like, ha, this is so much fun, isn't it? This is great, right? Like, he's like cheering him. He's like, come on, let's celebrate. And he like grabs Revan's hands and takes it off the pole. He's like, let's scream. And like, Revan like, like joins in. He's like, yeah, this is awesome. Yeah. Like, you know, his like fear just turned into something that he's just like, yeah, this is great. Right. And by the end, it, it like winds down and like Revan like runs to us. And he's like, more, more, more. It's like $80 to ride that one ride. Like, you're not going to be able to do this. <laughs> My goodness. See, Rev's life changed when he trusted his grandpa to get over his fear when he started listening to him, he was able to lift his hands up and laugh and have fun. See, some of us are stuck in our childish fears because we haven't been, we haven't been paying attention to who's next to us. We haven't been paying attention to who's sitting next to us. We have a God that holds the universe in his hands. We have a God that formed this world. He had a, we have a God that breathed life into us. We have a God right next to us that's encouraging us. He's trying to build us up. He's trying to strengthen us. He's trying to laugh with us. When's the last time we just laughed with Jesus? He's trying to take our hands off of the safety rails and say, let's ride this ride of life. Let's Let's have fun with it. Let's give it our all. Let's just build each other up. Let's just be able to go and do great things in the face of this enemy. And see, we don't enjoy the ride of life because we would rather be stuck in our fear rather than relying on our Father and our faith. Students, as I close up here, and I wish I could, I mean, the last, one of the last excuses was um, about how hard of a message it is to declare to people, but we'll talk about that later. But as we're following up here, if you really feel like you're not enjoying life, if you're really not enjoying the ride of your life, I want you to focus on who are you listening to? Are you focusing and listening on your fear? Like you can't do this you can't do this. This is too big for you. 
you're not qualified, you're too young, there's no way you could ever do that because that's just too big for you, or are you listening to your father that says you can do this because you know why? I know you, I chose you, and I will supply everything that you will need. I will give you the words to say, I will give you the path to step on, I will give you the confidence that you need. Don't be afraid because I will deliver you. Who are you listening to, students? Are you listening to your fear or are you listening to your faith? Excuses, students, are just a fancy way of of saying fear. But it's just as deadly of time for us if we choose our fear over our faith. Let's pray. Father, I just want to thank you for just such a strong word. It's a word I hope that rings true to many of us who are really just trying to find our way in life right now. And we know that you are calling us to do something. I believe wholeheartedly that there are many of us in here right now that we know the call. We know what, what, what you want from us. We know that you want us to step up maybe in the area. Maybe some of us, we are to surrender our life to ministry. Maybe some of us are, are to surrender our life to missions. I don't know exactly what the call is, but I do know this, is that many, if not most in this room, know what you are calling on their life right now. And this is what I ask, is that they silence the fear and they start walking in faith. Because in our faith, you have promised us many things that you're going to provide for us, that you care about us, that you want to be able to strengthen us. And Lord, many of us just need to know, you know what, I'm not just being called by myself, but I'm being called by my Father who is willing to walk beside me this whole time. And Lord, tonight I just pray and I just beg that whoever is dealing with that, we just come and we just pray with our prayer team or we come and we just lay it down at the altar and we say, you know what, I'm tired of living in fear and I'm ready to start living in faith. And Lord, give them boldness, give them courage. Lord, let them just be able to lay it down. Maybe some of us in this room, maybe that next step of faith is that we need to trust Jesus to be the Lord and Savior of our life. That's, that's the biggest step of faith that I think anybody can can take in this room. That is the most important thing that we could ever do on this world is take that leap of faith as trusting you as our Lord and Savior. And tonight, this is what I beg of them. Tonight, if they have not trusted you as a Lord and Savior of their life, I beg that they come and pray with our prayer team and just say, you know what? I want to trust God tonight. I want to make him the Savior of my life. And Lord, I just beg them to be able to step out of their aisle and be able to talk to somebody about that. Give them courage. Give them strength. Lord, be with us. Let us just sing these last couple songs with every breath and every bone of spirit that we can do for it's your name. Amen. If you would stand up and praise.